Welcome to The Common Round. Medical education for medical students by medical students. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And joining us today is our executive producer, Gautam. And today we'll finish off our hepatitis series with hepatitis C. Yeah. And um, Hamid, what is hepatitis C? So hepatitis C is an RNA virus. So we mentioned that hepatitis B was the only DNA virus. And we mentioned that hepatitis E and A were RNA virus. And now here's another hepatitis virus that is an RNA. Um, but what makes this uh, hepatitis virus really special is the fact that the RNA polymerase that is used for replication of the DNA sequence uh -huh. is prone to lots of errors. So that's the first point to keep in mind. Second, there's um, currently six broad genotypes that we need to be mindful of. Okay. So that's genotype one, two, three, uh, up to six. Uh, okay. Yeah. But because the RNA polymerase is prone to errors, mm -hmm. you're going to have lots of quasi-species of, let's say, genotype one in the same person. Yep. And that's important to keep in mind for when we talk about vaccinations and why there isn't a, a vaccine at the moment for it. But before before we talk about that, how is hepatitis C transmitted? It's transmitted through blood and so that means one of the people who are more prone to it are actually the intravenous drug users and also prior to blood screenings, also the people who got blood products transfused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. What is the incubation time for hepatitis A? Does it, so, do you get it straight away or is it yeah, a bit of a time lag? I think there lag? was a bit of a time lag. It was up to a few months, but how, how many months? I really As a remember. rule of thumb, yep. it's you know between two to six weeks up to 26 weeks, so up to um, up to six months. The okay. way for me to remember is you can just say roughly six weeks to six months, okay. just like hepatitis B, which is roughly six weeks to six months. It's just a little bit easier to remember. But if you want to be a purist, it's about two weeks to six months that you can oh, uh, potentially see the disease. And the interesting thing is, is the fact that these patients, about 76% are asymptomatic. So they don't even know they've got the virus. Okay. So they can transmit it without necessarily realizing it, yeah. um, which is a huge public health problem, especially if you're a sharing injecting drug user as well. And looking at it, taking that a bit step further how, you know how do you diagnose it how do I diagnose it well with this one similar to hep A you actually just look at the antibodies created against the hepatitis C virus so yeah. hep C antibodies yeah yeah is there anything else there is yes I think in a small percentage of patients they don't mount an adequate immune response maybe because of the quasi species or um, immunosuppression of some sort yep. so you actually look at the RNA the RNA has a higher sensitivity and specificity oh, yep. um, so that can be an indicator whether you've been infected or um, whether you you've cleared the virus okay. speaking about clearing it like do lots of people clear clear this virus or yeah that's the interesting thing about hepatitis c where compared to hep b this is an acute infection that most likely will lead to a chronic infection yeah so what percentage are we talking about? i think we're talking about 60 to 80 percent according to one of the lectures we got as a med student yeah it's yeah. a big big number yeah. um and i guess the reason you don't clear it is that how can the immune response mount an attack against you know all these quasi species that could be developing it's just probably not possible and so that also happens efforts for vaccination you know how do you vaccinate against the virus that then goes into a body mm. and develops all these slight subspecies of let's say genotype 1 or genotype 2 mm. it becomes a huge problem so speaking of sort of chronic hepatitis c are there any sort of long-term issues with that we worry about why do we care about this virus are you referring to things such as the um the cirrhosis and the cancers that we're talking about or is there something additional to that yeah that, i mean there's obviously yeah. yeah cirrhosis there's also um that can transform in about a small percentage of patients 
to, um, you know, about 30% actually to hepatocellular carcinoma, just like hepatitis B. But also, like, there's other symptoms that patients can present with. Patients can present with glomerulonephritis because the antibody antigens are depositing in the kidneys and causing a renal syndrome. But that's, yeah, exactly. The whole point is we worry about, firstly, the risk of transmission and the fact that it can cause liver failure and it can uh, also cause hepatocellular carcinoma and also the impact it has on the patient. Actually, just one thing about hepatitis C I just remembered was that did we really go through why the body doesn't clear it out as easy as compared to other things? I, I wanted to go a bit more into like why quasi-species is such a the sloppy translation. Why is that so beneficial? Yeah, for the hepatitis? by all means, let's talk more about it. I think what you mentioned before was that it, it translates itself poorly. So each generation that it replicates, there's going to be a slight difference, a bit more difference than it was to the previous generation. It's not a dress. It's not like it creates a completely new species, right? It's mm. just tiny, you know, maybe one amino acid, that one amino acid here difference that could lend, it, lend itself to being mm. difficult to be picked up, eluding the immune system, essentially. Yeah, so eventually um, what happens is that the, by the time the body creates an antibody to it, a very highly specific one that targets it, it's already it's already evolved into something that the antibody won't fit as well to it. So, yeah, exactly. So in this case, the sloppy translations works in hepatitis C's yeah, favor, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And um, that makes making a, a vaccine very hard for yeah. hepatitis. Well, let's say, you know, there's a huge number of patients that become chronic that we, we talked about, you know, 60 to 80%. Can you treat this condition or do they have this thing forever and that's it? You know, they're, they're doomed. No, so like they, they do develop these interferons as well as antivirals that are targeted towards treating hepatitis C. And then you also, depending on the, the patient's genotype, you, you, t- you target different, you use different sort of therapies towards it. So obviously with all management approaches, right, you don't suddenly jump into pharmaceuticals. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's talk about lifestyle management first. So okay, of course. Do you think weight loss might be uh, efficacious in these patients? No, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, well, it's efficacious because one, you're reducing the risk of or reversing steatohepatitis, which mm-hmm. can lead to, you know, progression into, well, you can have essentially non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which mm-hmm. you can, if you're not sure what that is, have a look at our previous podcast, which we, where we talked about this yep. condition. So weight loss is really good. And not only that, it also improves response to treatment. So that's another bonus advantage. What about um, alcohol? Do you encourage patients to keep drinking or maybe cut back? Probably because since the alcohol does damage to the liver, I would say you stop drinking. Yeah, exactly. So um, smoking as well. That's the yeah, smoking as a, as a general lifestyle. But I think those are important. So okay. a BMI management is important as yep. well as alcohol is really important okay. because those, if, if you account for those, you can improve the response rate to treatments. Um, really? And we know we, we can okay. talk about why this is so important once yep. we talk about the, the management sure. of it. All right. So let's say you've tried that and the patient has been really compliant. How do you actually treat hepatitis C in, with drugs? You use the interferons plus an antiviral called ribavirin. And depending on the genotype, you either treat it for 24 weeks or 48 weeks. Kind of. Yeah. Was, was that the case? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. But I, I guess. Yeah. So, so at the moment, the yeah. current generation of treatment involves um, interferon and uh, peg interferon, so it's a long-acting interferon. Oh, okay, is that what it and is? And yep. ribavirin, yeah, which is an antiviral. And you, you guys can look up the mechanism of action of ribavirin and interferon. But interferon is that hormone that's produced in response to suppressing a viral infection by the body, yep. and we're just giving it in pharmaceutical doses. But in terms of the current outcomes, there's a term that is used for response, and it's called sustained virological response. And this thing confused the hell out of me. But essentially, it's how much 
suppression of the virus replication or whether the patient remains completely clear of the virus after six months of treatment, following six months of treatment. So that's called SVR, sustained viral response. So just let me try to get it right. So let's say if somebody has a 90% SVR. So what that means is 90% of people have their virus load suppressed for six months. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Essentially, it's you know undetectable RNA for six months. So um, sorry, six months after cessation of treatment. Oh, after so the, yep. going back to the treatment, so for genotype 2 and 3 with that conventional ribavirin and interferon treatment, you can expect yep. a response rate of between 66% to roughly 93%, but the prognosis is better for genotype 2 than genotype 3. Okay. So that's why it's important to do all the lifestyle stuff to improve the response rate yep. in addition to the treatment interesting but at the as it stands at the moment if you yeah. use genotype if you treat genotype one with interferon and ribavirin it's got an abysmal response rate of you'd be lucky to hit 50 with this that's, prolonged that's yeah sort of very difficult treatment because you know interferon is an injection administration is a problematic it can cause severe you know you know how you're sick and you get all that muscle pain you feel really down and out and really lousy well interferon makes you feel like that for six months i thought that was just man flu but okay. yeah obviously not apparently apparently interferon can can induce man flu so <laughs> um that's why it's it's a nasty treatment to be on yep. so and it's really you know you know really disappointing to see such poor response um sustained viral responses yeah despite being on this treatment for so long but the good news is there's an, there's an, there are newer agents now that have been approved for you so they include you know peg interferon plus ribavirin plus um, uh, new new types of drugs called direct uh, anti direct acting antivirals DAAs, and, yeah. yeah daas and these guys yeah. can treat hepatitis c for a shorter period of so for 12 weeks as opposed to let's say the 24 to 48 weeks that we talked about yeah and bring them at a sustained viral response of 80 percent oh that's massive so you've gone from less than 50 percent currently with conventional treatments to greater than um, or up to 80 percent in a shorter period of time so it's really like amazing you know groundbreaking stuff here so that's that's why the geno- understanding genotypes is important. That's why you need to make lifestyle adjustments to improve response rates. You just need to keep in mind that genotype 2 responds yep. better than genotype 3. Okay. And as it stands at the moment with conventional treatment, genotype 1 is really poor. And can you tell me what some, some of the other factors are that predict response to treatment? So there's, you know, as we mentioned earlier before, the, our weight, the BMI, does play a big role in it. So if you are overweight, unfortunately, that means that the prognostic factors to it are, are a bit less. Also, comparing males and females, they found that females tend to get cured a lot easier than the males. Um, and there were also other things such as if you have already, like, let's say, a damaged cirrhosed liver, then that also reduces your um, prognosis and makes it a bit less favorable. Yeah, that's right. And we mentioned genotype 1 is really problematic as well. Oh, that's true. So really, that's it about hepatitis C. Is there anything else you wanted to talk with people so, with our audiences about? No, that's pretty much it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So just to summarize it, hepatitis C is a um, RNA virus. Okay. Uh, it's yep. got a really poorly functioning polymerase, which causes these quasi-species to develop, which is a survival strategy, I guess, because the immune system can't mount yep. an adequate response. So you have a high rate of chronic patients, yep. patients that become chronic. In terms of diagnosing, you diagnose it with um, anti-hepatitis C antibodies, but in some patients you don't get that so you have to look at the rna yep. in the blood to see to look for um, evidence of the disease being present you implement lifestyle management in conjunction to pharmaceutical management and the future is looking really good for genotype one because uh you're getting much better um, sustained viral responses compared to previously mm-hmm. um i think that's it is there any, any anything and else? finally just the part where it's like acute to chronic wise 
hepatitis C, a lot of patients get chronic. Yeah, chronic hepatitis that's really important well. to get that across because of the quasi-species business. Mm. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for your time. As always, um, uh, send us your feedback and comments. Uh, we always love to hear back from you guys. And if you have any suggestions or want us to cover any other topics, you know, by all means, let us know. We can look into it and do our best to explain it. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to our Common Rounds podcast. You can find all of our episodes, notes, selective experiences, and much more content on our website. So come visit us at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com. And see you next time.